Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me, Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening. For you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. And good evening, and thank you for joining us here at Our Common Ground. We hope that you all are well and safe. This is Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Before we get started, I do want to welcome uh, any newcomers that we have with us and those that you that are listening. You may join us in our chat room at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. We have many people who follow our discussions on this program, who exchange with each, others in our, each other in our chat room, and uh, we welcome you as well. And to our regulars, we're glad to see you tonight and hope that you are well. We do have a couple of notes before we begin tonight. Uh, and uh, I do want to say to our listeners uh, on the East Coast who have been harmed or frightened or impacted by Hurricane Sandy that we hope that all is well and all of you and yours are healthy and that uh, we'd like to hear from you tonight if you'd like to reach out to us. What a tragic, tragic event uh, from the weather that has occurred. It has both its social, moral, and political implications, and uh, I'm sure that all of us at the Our Common Ground family extend to you uh, reconstruction and beginning your cycle of life in a some normalized way will come to you very, very soon. We did hear from the Our Common Ground uh, program administrator, Loga Michelle Odom, who is in New Jersey, and we were concerned about her well-being and that of the people that 
um, in her community and neighborhood, and we did hear from her, and she is well, she is safe. As of yesterday, she had no power, uh, and we're hoping that all of you are extended the services that you need to get back on your feet, and we are thinking of you. The other is this is the Saturday before the national election, and I cannot move forward tonight without saying uh, a few things about it. You would expect as much politics that we express and explore, examine, and discuss on Our Common Ground that we would have done something tonight about the election. We are not going to do that. Um, The game, in my estimation, is over. What is going to happen is going to happen. Electoral politics is just one of the dimensions on which our people must live. And I do encourage you to vote. I have been out today working to evict um, Scott Brown from uh, the Massachusetts Senate seat that he sits in and working for Elizabeth Warren because she is a more advanced and achieved and forward-thinking progressive political uh, personage than Scott Brown will ever think about being, and I think it's important that we put someone in that at least has some semblance of intelligence about economic justice and this economy and how our people will fare uh, through the government. So I've been working for Elizabeth uh, Warren for a number of weeks now, Um, have been in some communications and discussions with her campaign people about the things that I believe that she ought to be looking at and have some insight about, and I think that that is my role. But all of us have to really look at the role of government, uh, and it can be supportive, as you will recall my discussion a number of weeks ago with Ohio Senator Nina Turner, and talking about the role that government has to play in support of a reconstructed, healthy, and prosperous future for black people in this country. And I do believe that there is a role that government plays. But I believe that we have to have a sense that we cannot invest all of our energies and resources in into the political arena or invest our hopes and aspirations into who's in in the White House because the White House has never proven to be a spin-off place from which our power comes. So we need to be very mindful of that, but make sure you go vote. Uh we are voting. I am voting as a resistor. Uh, But resistance comes from a lot of places. But part of my resistance against the system is in regard to the support that government must be in the reconstruction of our people. And we're going to be talking about that, and we hope that you will join us on the election coverage specials that uh, we will host 
in a special broadcast on Monday night at 10 p.m. and on Tuesday night at 11 p.m. and we'll have the whole political posse, Dr. Matthew V. Johnson, Lauren Burke of uh, Crew uh, 45 who covers the black um, elected caucus a legislative caucus in Washington will be visited by Dr. Wilma Leon, who is a political scientist at Howard University, uh, India Declare, the India Declare Show, and Alpha of the Alpha Show will be joining us as well as part of our panel and our reviewers. And we will also be joined by our good sister warrior down in Florida, uh, Leah Gaines, who is the executive director of Community Economic Opportunities and the president of the NAACP branch uh, in West Palm Beach and talking about this whole process. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we have insight, the more we do analysis, it is important for us to find the balance of what it all means in our lives. Uh, and people are always uh, – I, I had this discussion with my, my grandson this afternoon, who is 11, and having him understand that there is honor in some of these processes because our people fought and died to claim our place in this country, and we, would, we must all, always maintain our, our presence. We will all. We should be in in a position of reclamation every morning when we wake up. So um, we'll talk more with you on Monday and Tuesday about that. The game is over, and now I believe we must become intent about where we go from here. Um, how honored. Uh, we must be in our lives, that uh, we must be resolute in reconstruction, in reconstitution, and and transformation in the place where we are. And that place, it has had a shift over the last four years, a shift in our understanding of who we are, in our standing in this country, and we must make it right. So we've got to begin to look at new models of community and individual leadership. And if whatever your belief is, politically, spiritually, whatever it is, that as a people we have the capacity to live with integrity to give up the glitz and and the bling and and stay focused on honest engagement with our families, with our friends, with our children, and with our community. And we must be willing to commit to sacrifice for a future for black people. So I am so pleased to have you with us, and tonight we're going to get started. Tonight we're talking about the secret consciousness, seeking the sacred, secret consciousness and who we are in relationship to that. We are so very honored to have as our guest tonight Professor Hunter Adams, 
who is an internationally recognized author, scholar, social entrepreneur, and neuroscientist. He brings to our common ground a wealth of wisdom and knowledge from more than two decades of practice in fields of uh, particle acceleration, beam diagnostics, and occupational health and safety and independent research on um, consciousness. Also with us, and I want you to keep in mind, get your head ready, because these are people who are pioneers in the notion of a black consciousness and how we are special because our journey is has been so sacred. Our guest also joining us tonight is Dr. Richard King. He is author of African Origin of Biological Psychiatry, Melanin, Key to, the, to Freedom, The Black Dot, and many more articles. Uh, he will be uh, presenting at a conference that we're going to be talking about, a paper on melanin, neuromelanin, Ben-Ben Stone, and Egyptian history. He was a facilitator for many years at the Aquarium Spiritual Society under the guidance of Dr. Alfred and Bernice Ligon of the Aquarian Bookstore. He practiced psychiatry in Los Angeles, and he graduated more than 40 years ago in a specialty of psychiatry. So we're going to get started, and we're going to be joined right after this with, with Professor Hunter Adams. Thank you so very much for joining us tonight. This is our common ground where we speak truth to power and ourselves transforming truth to power one broadcast at a time. I'm so pleased that you are with us tonight. We're living in the matrix, just like the movie. We're truly living in a program of the lowest denominator of consciousness, spirituality, and power. And these are the four programs of this society. You can only have two. So a lot of people have money and power, but they don't necessarily have the deep spiritual connection inside themselves, and they feel lost and disconnected. So they, so they try to get more connection and to themselves by making more money or becoming more rich or more famous or more powerful. We are stuck in drama and trauma, upset and the intrigue. And we call that our purpose. And we drive, and we end up really going around in a circle. Everyone's circle has different trappings in our being. From unconsciousness to consciousness, our knowledge and his wisdom, his response is this: our understanding, which is the best part. He picked the third planet where new forms of life will start. He pursued, show and prove every move in order. Back to the source, he led off his resources in the water. Climb climax with a call. If you can see it, you can solve the mystery. The answer revolves around your history. So carefully, I drop this decree. Scientifically and realistically. The main aim of the Congress is to discuss how to evolve, uh, how can our physical body evolve and how can consciousness evolve. It is very important because uh, now we are facing the time where unconscious evolution period uh, has almost finished and we come to the new era when 
new per period of controlled human evolution can happen. I think that main efforts of their uh, scientists and main technological progress will be concentrated on their making new body for the human being. So the first step is to make human-like robot, which we call avatar, and to make their perfect control system via brain-computer interface. The second step will be to develop uh, their system of human brain life support and to connect it to the avatar so disabled people and people who are at the edge of dying can uh, enhance their lifespan. And the third one, uh, I mean the third proje project, finally making the artificial brain to which we can transfer the individual consciousness. And we have one more project which is actually our dream, it is uh, producing hologram-like avatar bodies. What I think is that technology is not a kind of someone's imagination and uh, they are very, very real and right now uh, United States Military of Defense announced Avatar project which, also, uh, which is actually our Avatar A project, human-like robots controlled via brain-computer interface. From unconsciousness, You're listening to Our Common Ground, From speaking truth to power and ourselves. Um, I, I am just so honored to have you. 
uh, join us to talk about both the conference and the implications of the need to have the conference um, in Baltimore uh, this month. Tell us about the conference and why uh, the urgency. Oh, well, thank you so very much for having me and Dr. Richard King on your show. We truly appreciate uh, you and your audience, and I hope, I'm sure that many of the people who are your loyal listeners will call in with uh, good questions, so I look forward to that. And I want to, again, thank you straight away for having us on the show. Um the Royal Circle Foundation is a small nonprofit organization based out of Baltimore, Maryland, uh, that has a number of programs <clears throat> ranging from cultural equity to doing uh, work with um, with students, taking them on trips to the continent, uh, working to help preserve um, dangerously or or um, artifacts and resources and books um, uh, that could be uh, lost forever. So we have a whole preservation um, project. And um, for general information about the organization, I am the vice president, uh, Dr. Patricia Newton, current president of the Black Psychiatrists of America, uh, is our treasurer. Uh, you can go to www.royal-circle.org for general information on the organization. Now, uh, for this conference, uh, Seeking the Secrets of Consciousness, this is, a, I feel, a landmark conference uh, gathering that a few, a, a lot of our people, you know, are, very spiritual, and they talk about spiritual things. Um, and what we want to do here is to enlarge the context for that discussion, that this is like no other conference that folks have attended. You know, I can say that uh, quite affir affirmatively because I have participated in a number of conferences on consciousness through the years. Um, but I'll come back to that But this, we dare to go there We will explore the greatest mystery And that is consciousness uh, We have to consider that upwards of 96% Of our experience of being alive Is outside our awareness That means that we don't really know reality As well as we like to think we know it and that is despite our scientific knowledge and the certainty fostered by our various faiths. So given this fact, how do we live together and on what terms? Uh, we believe uh, that a deeper understanding of consciousness is necessary to meet not only that challenge, but many challenges humans face all over the world, uh, including as uh, my friends and brothers and sisters and people on along the East Coast, uh, climate change, and that is something that's very, very real. One of the things that we accept um, in putting on this conference is that 
We all have the ability to connect and communicate empathically. We have the ability to choose wisely to make better decisions and to choose decisively. We have the capability to dream lucidly, that is, understanding our dreams, directing our dreams, and then going beyond that, actualizing our dreams, because dreaming is another state of consciousness. We believe that we have the ability to create our destiny, that the world is not fixed and we can change things. We don't have to accept, but the problem is is that people have been persuaded to accept conditions that are not in their highest interests. And we have the ability to live happily, that happiness is our destiny. I mean, it was even put in the Constitution, but only as a pursuit, not as a reality. We even have the capacity to spontaneously heal. You know, many of you, uh, our listeners, have may have heard about spontaneous healings that can, can take place, even of cancer you know, and heart disease, that that is possible. If, that is, we know certain secrets of consciousness, if we better understand how our brains work, if we better understand how we relate to others as well as ourselves, if we really know what our true self is and not our survival self or ego self, as is commonly known. But, you know, one of the things we need is new tools to help us uh, open the doors to these secrets, to elevate human life. And in that regard, um, the Royal Circle Foundation has gathered together a group of inspiring and passionate visionaries, thought leaders, and artists. Some of them include um, uh, Professor... Tony Browder, who has the Asa Restoration Project in Kemet, or ancient Egypt, where he's on an archaeological dig, uh, uncovering some really fascinating things about a 25th Dynasty priest, Karak Amun, um, and he's going to be at the conference to talk about that and the implications um, of the finds as well as offer some insights into a new film. Um, I think it's being produced by Will Smith um, on Taharka, the famous pharaoh of the 25th dynasty. We have Dr. Rosalind Jeffries, an art historian, brilliant sister, absolutely brilliant and passionate, and she's going to talk about the cave art, the rock art that's all over Africa and the hidden messages that are in that art that we need to understand that our people have been discussing these higher dimensions of awareness for 10, 20, 50, 70,000 years. I was just in South Africa and I was talking with the curator of the Origins Museum, which features the origins of humanity. His name is Brian, and he was talking about uh, a continuous tradition among 
various groups in South Africa, the Zulu, the Sosha, the Indabeli, going back 70,000 years. Even a civilization now has been recently uncovered in South Africa, not about a two-hour drive from Johannesburg, where um, ancient people erected calendars to chart the movement of the heavens and women uh, adorn themselves with beads, all kinds of things. So Dr. Rosalind Jeffries will be there talking about that history and the relevance of us today because those paintings all over the world, not just in Africa, um, left us a message, and it's a message for eternity to help us, guide us through uh, these perilous phases today and uh, come into contact with these higher dimensions of awareness. Uh, we have Bhagwan Ra Africa, Dr. Leonard Ingram. He's going to talk uh, about consciousness, what is it, and where is it located? That is, is consciousness located in the brain? Is consciousness an epiphenomenon that only results from neurons firing? Or is consciousness something fundamental to the entire universe? And so he will be given a profound discussion, uh, kickoff discussion on Saturday morning, talking about that. Um, we have Dr. Patricia Newton, uh, who is the current president of Black Psychiatrists of America. Uh, she's uh, certified as a traditional healer, master's in public health, an absolutely brilliant woman. Uh, I've been knowing her and Dr. King for about 30 years or so, and she's going to talk about the social political dynamics of consciousness and healing. Uh, we have uh, Professor Kamal Siddiqui, um, and he's a musician and a hydraulic engineer, and he's going to connect the role of music, because uh, that's one of the things that had to be controlled, or at least monitored, in ancient Egypt was the level of the Nile, uh, when it's going to go into flood stage and when it recedes, and he's going to connect that to neuroscience and music. Um, we have Reverend Reginald Howard from Atlanta. He's going to talk about spiritual transformation. And in, in looking at many of the people in the Bible as representations of different stages of consciousness development, I find that's going to be really uh, unique. Um, on with Reverend Reginald Howard and one of uh, Boston's local, Dr. Nateri Nelson. Uh, she's going to be dealing with different facets of Kemet and metaphysics. What we're doing, as you may have gathered, is trying to make this as broad of an event as possible, that we're not turning any viewpoints down because we feel that all viewpoints 
can lead us closer to understanding ourselves and consciousness at a much fine-grained level. Mm-hmm. Hunter, let, Professor uh, Adams, let me ask you um, a, a couple of questions that I'm sure uh, people who are listening would pose. One is uh, how lay people uh, are relevant and should attend uh, this conference and what they might gain. The other is how can lay people utilize attending this conference in community organizing. As you know, I believe that we have not even begun to do the appropriate strategic planning to address many of the issues that we face as a people. Right. That's a very good question, and that's one of the things that we are going to deal with is to provide tools to help uh, attendees uh, skillfully negotiate uh, intriguing and profound issues that we're experiencing today. Um, uh, Today I saw for the second time a film called A House on the Hill by filmmaker Eugene Jarecki, who also did Why We Fight on the military-industrial complex um, a few years ago. This film deals with the war on drugs, which many feel is a war on black people. And so we have to ask, even Denzel Washington's current movie called Flight, it also deals with addictions, and, and in his case, in the film, with alcohol addiction, cocaine addiction, marijuana addiction, and, you know, maybe even to some degree sex addiction. So, you know, some people refer to these as how do we deal with the demons of consciousness, you know, for example. And any lay person um, has dealt with drama and trauma of their relationships. You know, so how can we deal better with our relationships? You know, how can we uh, not be led down uh, the drain towards attachments and adventure that lead to addictions, and particularly among our artists, such as Whitney Houston, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, uh, even Keith Ledger. You know, so how is it that that happens? Don't leave How, out Beyonce and JC because they're addicted to money. Yes, that is another addiction. Uh, the good news is that there's a plant that grows in Cameroon um, and Benin called Tabanathi Iboga, uh, and the, the extract of it is called Ibogaine, and it's been clinically proven to arrest all addictions except nicotine addictions. And so the question might be asked, Janice, uh, well then why isn't this available to help eliminate addictive behaviors of large numbers of people? Well, there's an entire pharmaceutical industry who does not want to see such a substance uh, be made widely available because what would that do? That would eliminate profits 
for other types of drugs to deal with addictions. If someone said, if you take this substance, small amount, and are able to deal with the experiences of connecting with yourself, connecting with your ancestors, connecting with those you hurt in your life, and in 36 hours you will no longer, your addictions will be arrested, whether it's cocaine, marijuana, sex, gambling, what have you, except for nicotine, many people would be standing in line to get that. In fact, that was one of the big things in New York a few years ago. But unfortunately, Tabernathy Boga is a class four uh, narcotic, which means just the mere possession is a felony. And so that deals with the politics of consciousness and that some things that may be of benefit are off limits because of laws. You know, there's some pioneering efforts being made by some researchers at John Hopkins University on using uh, the mushroom psilocybin to help people deal with death anxiety, to help people raise their level of spiritual awareness, and they've had some profound success with a small population, mind you, mm-hmm. over the past four years. But mm-hmm. again, you know, I'm not advocating anyone do that, but um, consciousness should not be legislated. Mm-hmm. That should be a choice. And if people abuse it, well, then, you know, they have to deal with the consequences of that. But, you know, that's not something that, you know, the good thing is that if someone does take those types of things, or ayahuasca, um, those are not recreational substances. You know, if anyone does any research on them, they, they are not for recreation. They are for illumination. Mm-hmm. But then others will say, and we do have someone who will be talking about organic um, <clears throat> singularity, as he refers it, and that is Professor Kalinde Iye, also uh, a renowned person in the martial arts. Even Mm -hmm. uh, Wesley Snipes uh, pays homage to to this brother. So Mm -hmm. he'll be there to discuss that as well. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as practical things, also, you know, just how can we learn better? You know, now there's pharmaceutical efforts being made to enhance the cognition, enhance one's cognition, such that, you know, you may be extremely alert uh, for an exam. But those substances, you know, are expensive, and so they're not available to masses of people. So, again, it gets to be a class-based issue as well. So I'm just pointing these types of things out. Another thing that people have to be aware of are commercials. You know, there's something called neuromarketing, that is using brain imaging of clients to see how their brains and their emotions respond to advertisements to tweak the advertisements to have more persuasive power. So 
if you're looking at certain ads, you may not even, you won't have a clue as to how you're being manipulated and you wonder where you have the desire for some flaming hots or something. So there's a whole host of practical things that we'll be dealing with uh, that we, we look forward that it will be very informative. And this has never been done in our community before. As I said, I've participated in other conferences dealing with the science of consciousness, the politics of consciousness, and so forth over the years. I've been a presenter and, a, and um, you know, just a regular conference participant. And when I go to these meetings internationally, I see very few people of African descent or Latinos. I said, what's going on? Do people know, know this is going on or not? And, and many of them don't know that it's going on because we're so preoccupied with ongoing other struggles and surviving. But now, I want to... It's, it's really interesting that you have pointed out to our listeners uh, the application and the implication for community building that is going to, resources are going to be provided and information is going to be provided uh, at, at the Royal Circle Foundation Conference on November 30th. But let me ask you about the notion of who should be recruited? You know, as you were talking, uh, Professor Adams, I was thinking we need to take our law students, we need to take our medical students, we need to take our social workers and our teachers and our government workers into this kind of conference to understand the environment in which they do their work. And I'm especially concerned, and you've heard me express this previously and my and the audience has as well that we have got to begin to develop the consciousness of all of the people who have the skills the tools to help us nation build and you've just point and you've just laid it out so beautifully and eloquently and i'm i'm glad you mentioned lawyers that uh, there's a whole new field of ethics called uh, ethical neuroscience, and what do I mean by and the law? What do I mean by that? Uh, University of Pennsylvania has uh, a number of programs in that regard, and that is people, are, you know, say someone commits a horrific crime, you know, like murder or rape, they can in turn tweak their insanity defense based on neuroscience that they were not fully aware at the moment they were committing this crime of their capacity to not do the crime. Mhm. Mhm. You know, it's so, it, that's an interesting uh, uh, an intriguing uh perspective because one of the things that it it t one of the places that it takes me to in consideration is the work that Dr. Leonard Jeffries and Dr. Rosalind Jeffries, uh, as well as Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Dr. King, who's going to join us very shortly, and others have 
had in regard to how the system of white supremacy all directed at at our people also create uh, a, a both a moral and a mental health crisis because we are people who want to be forgiving and at some point we want to delude ourselves into un, into some understanding of something that's being done to us as opposed to understanding it that it's being done by others and it has nothing to do with us. We're simply the victim of it. You understand what I'm saying? I understand exactly what you're saying, and it really gets to be very complex. You know, on you it know really one of the things that I did some research on some years ago uh, was uh, mirror neurons or the mirror neuron system, and in a small group of cells, maybe only about two thousand cells in near our brainstem called the red nucleus, and how habits are formed. Uh, James Baldwin, you know, years ago talked about uh, how children imitate adults. Well, it's not just children imitating adults. It's adults imitating adults as well that we have within our biology, within our brains, a system, a network of nerve cells, which were found out accidentally by some Italian neurophysiologists that record the movements that we see other people make so we can anticipate if you're walking down the street and you see some shadowy figures, then you got to decide, what should I do? Should I turn the other way? Should I go step across the street or should I just go ahead forth and dare them, whoever they may be, to mess with me? Well, you know, these mirror neurons allow us to anticipate behavior because we are constantly running simulations. Now, I know many of your listeners probably saw, you know, one or more of the Matrix trilogy films where that was a whole thrust of what is real and what is not real. And I'm going to deal with that in my own presentation on the Matrix of Information we we have to understand is that, you know, when there's structural problems that we have to contend with that set up limited choices for people, that is, if you participate in the system. But if you understand that this is what the game is, then you, you want to find out, well, how can I escape this? What can I do to participate as little as possible so I will not become a victim? Because that's just how things are set up. Uh, you know, there's a whole range of research on punishing the poor by this uh, guy at Berkeley, UC Berkeley, Walt Kant, has a book out called Punishing the Poor. And he describes in detail the structural things that were put in place not just the mandatory minimums of the drug laws, but setting up communities to be isolated so that they feed on themselves. So crime becomes self-perpetuating. 
uh, despair becomes self-perpetuating despite, you know, hundreds of churches or mosques in the community. People are still dealing with choices that are set up <clears throat> to provide limited ways out. So we have to understand uh, that we, in many cases, as someone very famous said, that we've been hoodwinked and bamboozled and led amok and led astray. But we don't have to accept that. We can choose not to accept that. Mm. We can choose to create another way of being. We can find another way of humanizing our lives, our struggle. We can fight back. Mm -hmm. Uh, The plutocrats, they don't like to be embarrassed, and they can't stand outrage. Tens, hundreds of thousands of people were outraged that after Hurricane Sandy, the city of New York wanted to still go on with the marathon and take precious resources away from doing what? From helping people. But because you had hundreds of thousands of people who were outraged, the mayor of New York had to buckle and cancel it. So we have tremendous amounts of power ourselves if we're on one accord, if we understand how we're being manipulated, if we understand what our power is, where it comes from, how to use it, how to organize around it. Mm. It's possible for communities to start organizing if they know better how our brains work, how we can be misled. Wow. Well, you know, one of the things that us lay people have to consider is that uh, from everything that you've said is that we have also been bamboozled and lived with the thought that somehow it is about our bootstraps, that somehow we have, as a people have gotten into certain kinds of patterns and the demonization defines and the narrative about those patterns and that we have some control over it. I hear you talking about uh, something that can adjust that chemically in our brains. The other is, you know, all of this sentimentality around uh, people who come up, who get hit the newspaper, hit the TV, and hit the the Emmy Awards, the uh, other kinds of awards, you know, and we begin to emulate and think that we can change our lives by uh, imitating, you know, the Huxtables and Oprah and the Obamas and the uh, Condoleezza Rices and uh, Martin, and we can be Martin Luther Kings, rather than tapping in to our own resources and widening our consciousness. Uh, Professor Hunter, I'm going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to bring in Dr. Richard King, who is so patiently waiting for us, because I do do want to talk about the notion of our history and how we are so much more prepared and why uh, to survive thrive, and be prosperous. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and with us tonight, Professor 
Hunter Adams, uh, renowned and esteemed neuroscientist and researcher and author. And when we come back from this break, we'll be joined by Dr. Richard King, the pioneering psychiatrist on the black dot. Thank you for being with us. We'll be right back. You stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Get get your drinks and stay with us here at Our Common Ground. From unconsciousness to consciousness, our knowledge and his wisdom, his response is this, our understanding. The best part. He picked the third planet where new forms of life will start. He pursued showing Black women in the prison. Unleashing the fury. Power in the light. Premiering TruthWorks Network. November 5th, 8 p.m. Hosted by Kalima DeSus and Black Women's Blueprint. Voter Suppression. A History of Black Women. Join us. Black Women in the Prism. Coming up on Black Women in the Prism, the issue of motherhood, motherness, and mothering in the black community. With Christine Thorpe, she is the Director of Family Programs at City College in New York. And Tamara Mack. She is the editor of The Feminist Wire. Join us, Black Women in the Prism, unleashing the fury, power in the light, only at TruthWorks Network. Premiering Monday, 8 p.m., TruthWorks Network. I want to know why I'm fine one minute and the next, my body aches so bad I can't move. I want to know why my hair is falling out. I'm only 17. I'm tired all the time. Now, this rash. I just want to know what's going on. When you don't have the right answers, it may be time to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Souls of Fire, the most powerful force on the earth. A soul of fire. When oppression is profound, the in order to live, in order to locate, in order to feel oneself, unfortunately the reality is the oppressed makes certain concessions. Certain mental, psychic, and spiritual concession in this moment in history at this very hour uh, we are still very much uh, in a part of and on that river we still feel its rhythms its tide and we're certainly captive to its current I think in a sense it is very uh, much time uh to call for the fire. I think um, it is very much time uh, for African Americans to begin to 
seriously rearticulate our ongoing struggle and about social justice. Where spirit matters. Lies, Only on TruthWorks Network. Your Wednesdays just got better. Soul of Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson. Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Where spirit matters. From unconsciousness. You're listening to Our Common Ground. From Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Melanin. 
That is a carbon-based compound that gives us our skin color or lack of it, producing the so-called depigmented skin forms. But none of us have a lack of inner neural melanin. And so that's a whole other story. And so I would I want to just try to highlight a few things in this upcoming Seeks of Conscience being heard by the excellent group of the Circle of Friends in Baltimore at the uh, Baltimore uh, uh, Hotel there in the harbor. Um, uh, the, the, and so the, the key point is, is that there has, just as there are seasons, summer, winds, uh, fall, and spring, there has been a season of the winter time in which, as the human form came out of Central Africa millions of years ago, under the heading of a fabulous group of Twa, short stature people called the Ainu, out of the Great Lakes region. And then my, and they were, let's be clear with it, purple, black, in color, and migrated out of Central Africa, the Great Lakes regions, all to all the other continents. And that's roughly about two million years ago what is misnamed by current-day science as the Homo erectus type, and populated and changed in skin color depending upon different sunlight patterns and foods that were eaten in the northern hemisphere, but also were present throughout all of Africa and onward. But I'm here to say that in the past 100,000 years, especially in the past 25,000 years, there are periodic ice ages in the northern Hemispheres, as Dr. Leonard Jeffries has talked about, the two cradle theories, also mentioned by Professor Cheikh Atadiyab in his book, Civilization and Barbarism, that these every 80 to 120,000 years, an ice age, five miles high of ice in the northern hemisphere. This is a regular event. And people who are left in that region lose their skin color, some. And then, especially in this past 25,000 years, they, they emerge an African who lacks skin color, that is the so-called Cro-Magnon type, misnamed Western Asiatic, and then later from that also a group called the Asiatic type, and that populated, again, parts of Asia, Eastern Asia and Western Asia. But they all came out of this black group. And then after the end of in the present interglacial period between glaciers, uh, the next one is going to start, who knows, five, seven thousand years from the future. But in that period of time, they poured out of the Caucasus Mountains and poured out of the Alpine regions and invaded lands that were inhabited by their parent stock people, the Ainu populations. And then, having been engaged for other clear reasons, mind you, in a conflict with their own parents and the parents' stock. And there came progressively so under the heading of the Alexander out of Macedonia, moving in 332 B.C., as Dr. Ben talked about it, preceded by the so-called Hiscos, roughly about 1700 to 2000 in the middle period in Kemet, and then came into uh, Kemet slinging the opium poppy. Yeah, drugs, straight up drugs. <laughs> and, and then running amok. And then began, and then having taken over the so called places now known as Israel, Syria, Iraq, all those are black lands. Northern India, 
1500 B.C. to 2000 B.C., and then putting out the Brahmin code and trying to take over the pre-existing Dravidian population. So there has been a titanic war between the children of these purple-black parents dating back 6,000 years, certainly 2,300 years, and certainly in the past 500. So as we, the, the seed people of humanity, being taken from our homeland and brought here because of our skills and then been intentionally stripped of a knowledge of self and then having a, a chance to get lost in our history, not knowing our history, here's the key point. We did not have, we did not pay attention or value our own living memories our cosmic hookup were from our eternal mind in which all of our living African ancestors still were plugged into us, still talking, still revealing, still inspiring, still spanking boo-boo, still all of that. And so that that realm that is called, and they, here's a, a critical point, we have come to understand that there were three grades of consciousness. One grade was a neophyte who didn't even know about their left and right hand hemispheres. Didn't even know, as Hunter points out, uh, did not even, Professor Hunter Adams talks about not even knowing the neural systems that were involved. The masculine brain, the feminine brain, all nature being composed of those two major domains. And so we lost, we got stuck in a white consciousness. Again, there is no such thing as a white person. There is a white consciousness. Even some black people have a white consciousness and are afflicted by it. So being trapped in that domain, we were told to dismiss the higher two other realms, that of the intelligence level or the genius level, and that even another level above that called the super genius Christ level. Yes, Christ is not just a concept of a person. It is a state of consciousness in all of us that is laden within us all. And so that fragmentation of the various religious titles is straight up pimping and hustling. But this, those two last domains, the intelligence level and the one further than that, unity with light, is talked about in the Kemet population, uh, the so-called sons and daughters of light, or the higher domains of consciousness, which we're going to be addressing in my multitude of ways, especially when you listen to Rosin and Leonard Jeffries and they talk about the Ainu or the so-called Twa people, or the people who continue to exist in a parallel universe all around us, certainly in the forest regions. So there is, so this, how do we maintain that connection, reconnect? How do we not fall victim to dismissing that as something false, how do we buy the lies under the heading of black magic, witchcraft? We're not talking about something like We're talking about creativity. We're talking about genius. We're talking about healing, revelation, inspiration. We're talking being in rhythm with the universe, you know, walking tall, speaking to our ancestors who passed on the other side of the river, so to speak, and seeing our grandchildren before they were even born and having that kind of unified family approach. 
So there's, this is going to be quite a spray. We don't want to give away all the key points. We want people to come to the conference to share their ideas. We don't have it all. We're, we're just beginning students. No matter how many, I heard you give up my 40-year piece. <laughs> and was it been that, y'all? I thought I was 21. <laughs> but anyway, all that kind of knowing it's an endless struggle and how to share this information to pass it on to our emerging future generations so they can have an African black focus and not be out here with a short-sighted white consciousness going around in circles trying to commit suicide as if they're the only ones who have the bomb. That's, that's suicide thinking or being stuck in petty materialism. I live in L.A., Yesterday, or two weeks ago, the Endeavor came right down Crenshaw Boulevard in the hood being put into the Exhibition Museum. And I realized this is a statement of an age. We're going back to these other planets and stars. I'm certain we're going to find black people. Because our study of melanin, and neural melanin, and alignment, points out that this pigment, carbon-based Life forms is a cosmic phenomenon. It's not just a African story. It is a story of all life. Being Space is the place. So it's, it's a broad-based, it's an ocean of information we have to share. And we 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 welcome the questions. And all we have, I'm all, all I have is just a little cup of water here. So come get your cup. <laughs> you know. And listen to your dreams. Listen to your genius mind give you solutions of how, first and foremost, how to get along with your mate, how to get along with your children, how to find the right tone of voice, the right kind of presentation to do that kind of dance. To do that kind of dance. Yes, indeed. Let me ask you, Dr. King, as as you as you you as you glorify our 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 history and our presence and our capacity as human beings, as you glorify that, how do you begin to convince a community who? By the way, some of us are not even convinced that Mitt Romney is evil. But <laughs> how do you convince our community that this is where our focus needs to be done, that this is the path to healing so that we can then liberate? Well, I would say the first step is to please get out a mirror, a mirror, or look in a glass of uh, and a pot of water and to look at no one else but yourself. Look at your face. Watch as you say things, see how your nonverbal expressions, your facial mannerisms suggest that there are other communications coming up through you. Learn to know yourself. Know your history. Talk to your parents about what was your childhood like? What was your Get out when you can. Where did you come from? Where did people grow up? Where was great-granddaddy from, great-grandma, and great-great-great, as far back as you can take it? And look at those pictures and see if 
some of those features in yourself where they came from. Hear what they did with their lives, even if they were living in oppressed times. Realize that their attributes flow through you in the here and now. And to get that kind of history meant to ask the, ask the question, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Absolutely. So that sets the course for your spaceship travel. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why my talk will be entitled Black Dot from Now to Now. Where did I come from? Where am I now? Where am I going? Mm-hmm. We have those now moments of, oh, this is, I, I'm, I'm aware of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. How is it connected to other now moments? I I do want to ask both of you to comment on the notion that there are are some of us who are aware that at certain points in our lives we have had terrific, wonder-filled insight. Yes into certain situations, and then, of course, there are those who never have any insight at all. And whether or not and how uh, we can continue to pass on to our children this capacity for consciousness, to have a sense of what melanin does for them, and the forces against them understanding it. I mean, one of the things that kind of disturbs me is that we seem to be living uh, in a way that uh, media, external forces, are informing our lives. For instance, I, um, I'm always interested in someone who understands the red and blue pill thing. Because I I think that they have some insight that that they got it. And if they got that, they have the ability to get something else. But how do we make this just a pattern of our lives? Like, uh, um, Dr. King, I was telling you my uh, soon-to-be medical student granddaughter. Yes. And I was saying to her that if she does not have a depth of consciousness, how can she help to heal Others, talk to us about that. Both uh, Professor Adams and Dr. King. Yes, well, the the healing. I often I find myself saying these days, I probably don't heal anyone. God heals. I insist because there's so many miracles in that healing, and a, a, a critical part comes in that healing by being a good listener to my so-called patient. And in that magic dance, sometimes I'm the patient, sometimes the patient is the healer. Not want to tell me too much, for one who's going to fear, he or she is fearful that they may overwhelm or that I won't listen or they're trying to get some kind of, you know, um, get some kind of good report or some tickets to some other kinds of experiences or court paycheck, whatever the thing might be. And so that in the in that listening, being a good listener, as uh Jay Carruthers out of Chicago once said and Asa Hilliard and many others have said, by being a good listener, then 
I could become wiser in knowing good speech. I could get into the, I could, quote, get synchronized with the steps that were going down. I could flow with, I could flow with it. And then there could be this kind of common ground from which things would arise. And they could tell their story as to what the external manifestations of a certain condition might be, where are they stuck, and what are the crossroads that they're at? What roads are they going around in circles on, and what roads are they trying to climb higher on, but they don't believe that they have the power to do it. They don't believe that little old me can do all that. They don't believe they're full of fear and how to take the little baby steps past and through the fear and to see that door open and then to walk in and realize it's such a big world and there's so much water to go and to move from a position of being the afflicted to knowing that you have got to get on with your story because you've got some healing of others to do as part of your stance, and they need you, and you don't believe you have what it takes, man, it's a lot of struggle, a lot of work, a lot of learning, a lot of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about the portals. The portals. The portals are doorways that we encounter in our journey through life. So we can talk about portals in terms of developmental landmarks, being born, going through puberty, going through the uh, the young adult stage or the juvenile stage, hitting that magic 16, oh, the 21, oh, the big 30 and the big 40, becoming a parent, giving birth, becoming a lover of the opposite. And being able to, quote, do that dance of community. These are all critical doors that all humans experience in their journey through life. And they have their own unique set of questions and answers that we have to find a way. If we miss it, we can kind of go around. And usually if we have some trauma at some of these doors, we can get stuck. And And it hurts so bad that the various addictions are used to masquerade and cover over the pain of being stuck and the being possessed by fear and feeling that, oh, I, in the third grade, I am a slow learner. I'm going to be condemned to special education all of my life. The teacher was right. I don't have good English. I can't compete in a little school like those white kids because they got all those extra programs. I'm stuck in the ghetto, <laughs> whatever it is. Or I have got advantage, but I don't have a link to my Africanity. I'm just a black kid or a so-called mixed kid trying to fit in. My parents are working all the time to give me these nice trinkets, but I feel so alone. And they have all these giant expectations for me. And I wonder if I'm going to be able to make it once I step into these realms. I'm going to, like your granddaughter going to 
medical school, walking through those doors, will she see the images of Imhotep? Will she see the images of black female healers thousands years before there was ever was an Hippocrates? Will she see the image of Sojourner Truth leading people through the swamps all over the South, freeing her people and never losing one? Will she see that? Will she see the picture of Obama sitting on a bus in one of his Democratic ads? <laughs> and he's saying, are you going to move forward or backwards? Will you go to the back of the bus again and going to roll the clock back? Or are you going to step forward and do what with it? Is it just a matter of making big money? Or what to do? What, how will you phase? Uh, this is, again, the question of a person moving to today's realm. How are you going to face the issue of Islam? How are you going to face issues of Christianity? How are you going to face the issues of the jihad? What, what, what are the, how are we going to face all these issues of poverty or the so-called shift from the so-called old money to new money? Or is it really new money or old money going back to real old money? So that these these portals or and there are commonly stated to be more to the point that at a portal there is usually a crossroads. On the front of the crossroads there is a god, a deity. And it is pictured as God. Ah but on the back side of that God there's another deity. The opposite of the the positive God. This is the pimp. Big time Lee Egba, the trickster. So as you just experienced Halloween, the issue is, will it be a treat or a trick? Can you answer the right questions? And as you pass through these different, now in ancient Africa, they had the 24 hours of day and night, 12 in Amenta during daytime and 12 during Amenta during the nighttime as you went past through the eastern mountain of the moon, going to the western mountain of the moon, and down under the Amenta, and 12 hours a day of nighttime coming back up again. But as you knowing, knowing, and asking for revelations, and you do it by studying nature, and you do it by also, talk, I mean, in prayer and meditation, and looking at what has been your steps all along. How have you asked your parents? What did they do? You asked your cousins. You asked your other blood member relatives. Have they ever faced such a thing? How do they manage? So friends are very, very important, but especially listening to yourself. Can you look? And here comes a question someone will have questions about. Can you look and see your own soul? Ah. Can you look inside yourself and see your own spirit? Inside of your soul, can you see how you faced similar questions before in past and future lifetimes? No, that oh, that doesn't fit what I learned in the school book. Whose school book? Well, what you certainly you got my chat room mesmerized. Here? I have never seen them behave so oh, well. <laughs> I'm just trying to give some illustration of, yes. I'm certain, brother, uh, Scholar Hunter Adams 
may want to no, share. No, Richard, Dr. King, you just, just laid it out. And one of the problems, there's a, a wonderful little book that came out about 20 years ago called In the Company of Prophets. And the thing that you're talking about, sharing these inner experiences, sharing dreams, sharing revelations, unfortunately we live in a society particularly uh, where there is fundamental religion, no matter what, what it is, that sees these types of things as indication of being possessed by some other entity that's not angelic. And so folks are afraid to actually talk about their experiences like that. And so they're afraid. They have fear. And so what we're going to do at this conference, we're going to allow for space for that, mm-hmm. where people can not be afraid and share those types of experience, because that's where a lot of our power lies, in those experiences. That's where a lot of guidance comes from. When we start reading the stories, whether it's Steve Jobs or Francis Crick and all these other people, you know, who've made all these discoveries, where did they, even Einstein, where did they get their key things from, from their dreams or, or from some transcendent experience? That's where they come from. That's because it's pure. It's unfiltered. But this society devalues that. Certain religions devalue that. However, they may devalue it for the masses, but for their elites, it's very critical. You know, people think of that there's a war between science and religion. You know, that's not true. It's all a bluff for controlling people. The Vatican, for example has something called the Vatican Observatory. The Vatican invites scientists worldwide to come and talk about neuroscience and the person, immunology, the genome project, uh, the Hubble telescope and the images that we're seeing of other worlds. You know, well, why is the Catholic Church dealing that? Because they want to have a response to the discoveries. So they have to engage that knowledge. But Unfortunately for the flocks, there's a running away from science, although people use their cell phones and iPads, tablets, and everything else. And so that's that's something that we have to confront, that people need not fear these greater understandings that are available to us. But we have to learn to accept ourselves, as Dr. King said, for example, this is profound. At the Oriental Institute of the University of Chicago, there's a facsimile of a papyrus, which was named after the founder, the Edwin C. Smith papyrus. And this papyrus, dating back over 3,000 years, talked about neurosurgery. Can you imagine Janice, Graham, neurosurgery 3,000 years ago in Kemet. In fact, when I studied neuroscience, the textbook that I used, The Fundamentals of Neuroscience, done by uh, Candell and Schwartz, they had on the cover 
in Middle Nature or hieroglyphics, the word for brain. Africans were the first people to actually give a word for brain, and when you turn it around, an uh, anagram, it also meant mind or seer. And so there was no split between mind and brain, between science and spirituality then. That, that was an illusion. There was a profound understanding of the different dimensions of consciousness, particularly ourselves as energetic beings, that we are beings of light. I had the privilege of doing a summer school at the International Institute of Biophysics um, outside of Dusseldorf, Germany, uh, about 12 years ago. And these researchers, uh, Dr. Edwin Dr. Albert Pop, they've been looking at the light within ourselves, that every time a cell divides, a burst of photons are given off. That light is another form of communication within our bodies, within all living things. And so our ancestors were absolutely correct when they saw other beings of light that we ourselves are light in this higher stage. That if if one, and I saw this myself, if you put a person in a totally black room where there's no light can get in or out, and you put these instruments, they're just counters that count the number of photons that something living emits, you can see an outline of the person that we are beings of light. But this is not new. This is old news, because in Kemet there was the Ak that talked about the light body, that the Book of Coming Forth by Day talked about the transformations of consciousness, that you can imagine yourself in all these different forms, you know, something like the Buddhist notion of formlessness and form. But unfortunately, these things most of us are not aware of. And why is it important to community organizers, local people? Because we can be more effective in our leadership capacity. We can be more effective in our organizations. We can be more effective healers if we understand that uh, the whole notion of is there life after death, for example, a huge topic, near-death experiences. Well, those are very real because there's something intangible about ourselves, about our humanity, that um, those in power are terrified of if more people came into that understanding, if more people saw the connections that we have, which the new Wachowski film, the guys who did The Matrix, uh, Cloud Atlas, talks about is the connections of human beings across time and place that you may be evil in one lifetime, but uh, you don't get away. You don't get away because at some point you'll have to pay, but the payment will be doing heroic acts of kindness, for example. So I would suggest uh, listeners check out that film, even though it's three hours long and the narrative may be difficult, but it's a, it's a worthwhile film to see. And so I appreciate what Richard talked about is about these connections 
going back tens of thousands of years and that it's all present within our DNA, that so much, 90% of our DNA is non-coding, so to speak. But different experiences, music, for example, dance can turn that on and give people access to other dimensions of being that Mm -hmm. are not normally available in our waking state of consciousness because we have waking state, dream state, higher states. There's a realm of states, and there's even state-specific knowledge that the psychologist Charles Tart, Dr. Charles Tart, talked about, you know, 30 years ago that you can only get certain information in certain states of consciousness. Otherwise, it's just not available. And that's why yoga and meditation, which I'm happy to see more and more people are getting into, are really crucial because when you can silence, shut down your nervous system, and I don't mean chemically, but doing meditation, you can begin to get these profound insights into yourself And then you will learn that you don't have to be afraid, that you are eternal, that there's something about you that was here before you as an individual was here and will continue after you as an individual um, is gone. And so it's not simply about uploading as, you know, we're going to deal with at the conference uh, one's consciousness onto silicon, and there's a whole movement around that. But but I don't want to go too far off of that. But I would like to say that uh, the conference is going to feature Dick Gregory, internationally acclaimed humanitarian, civil rights activist, comedian, health advocate. He's going to be the recipient of the 2012 <laughs> Consciousness Award and deliver the keynote address at the awards banquet on Saturday evening, December the 1st. And I want to say uh, before time gets away that people can call 410-752-2943 for more information, or you can go to the website royal-circle.org and click on calendar, or you can go directly to royal-circle.org id6.html and we we do offer uh, an advanced registration special until November the 15th. After that uh, it'll be the, the regular registration price, but there are rates for students, there's rates for seniors, we have group rates. Uh, this is a modestly uh, priced conference. Uh, it's a small investment for a lot of knowledge and a lot of take-home information that you can use in no matter what field you're in. Uh, if you're a social worker, you want to learn how to deal uh, more effectively with your clients, uh, knowing that really you're only dealing with their perception of themselves and their perception of you because of the mirror neuron system. You know, if you a lawyer and want to find out how you can be more effective in persuading your case, uh, you can get that type of information. If you're uh, a cleric in some particular faith and you want to be able to provide uh, some new information 
to your members of, of your particular congregation that can empower them, that can aid and abet uh, your own particular teachings, but at the same time raise a level of awareness. Uh, this is the place to be if you're a psychologist or psychiatrist dealing with mental health of people and uh, we have a whole lot of mental health problems, many of them, as Dr. Newton referred to, as post-traumatic slavery syndrome, that is the after effects of that um, horrible experience um, called slavery. I don't use that word anymore. I have something else that I refer to it as. Uh, and Jim Crow and things like that. Um, so if if you are... Uh, neurobiologists or physicists, uh, there's information there for you. I'll be dealing with uh, nonlinear physics and information theory, the matrix of information and consciousness. So there's something for everybody. If you're a student, um, say a graduate student, you're looking for a thesis project or maybe even a dissertation project, you know, you might get some ideas by coming to this conference. If you are a high school student, you'll be around some positive mentors, you know, people that um, you probably won't have an opportunity unless you come to meetings like this to meet and engage. So it is friendly. You know, if you're a senior, um, I'm sure you'll get something that will be of benefit. So the conference is November 30th through December the 1st at the Holiday Inn Inner Harbor Hotel in Baltimore, Maryland. So uh, I'll give it back to you, um, Ms. Graham. Thank you, um, uh, Professor Adams and, and, and Dr. Uh, King. We want to talk more about uh, this whole ability of self-healing, and how consciousness is a tool to face our new future in America as black people. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852. If you would like to comment or ask our guests, uh, Professor Hunter Adams and Dr. Richard King, a question. We're going to take a break. 404, I see you. We'll be right back after this break. From unconsciousness to consciousness, our knowledge and this wisdom, his response is this, our understanding. The best part. He picked the third planet where new forms of life will start. He pursued, showing proof every move. The president, he's got his war. Folks don't know just what it's for. Nobody gives us a rhyme or reason. Half a one doubt, they call it treason. We're chicken feathers all the way out wonder. While electoral politics is not the end-all, it is almost the end of the game. Join Our Common Ground in our Election Week special, Monday, 10 p.m., with me again, Dr. Matthew Johnson, 
Lauren Burke, India Declare, Alpha, as we look at where we are in 2012 national politics. And on Tuesday, 11 p.m., at our common ground, looking at where we are at the end of the political game. I'm Janice Grant, asking you to join us to look at the black perspective on national politics. Monday and Tuesday, here at Our Common Ground, 10 p.m. on Monday, 11 p.m. on Tuesday. What will it all mean? If it's the end of the game, where do we start? Alpha Show only on TruthWorks Network. Nothing to say, nothing to do, I'm nothing to give. India Declare, real, raw, and right now. It's the I Declare Show. Hi, this is Janice Graham suggesting to you that your Monday through Friday talk destination must be. I Declare on Blog Talk Radio with India Declare. Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Oh, no, honey, we can't put in, we can't, oh, my gosh, we can't have any expectations of clean air. Who are we, the American people, to want, I don't know, some clean air and some clean water? God forbid. Oh, let's see, anti-education, Pell Grant, screw it. If you can't afford to get in, you ain't getting in. That's the uh, Repub motto. And, of course, the anti-woman. 
<laughs> small government, small government, small government, vote for me. Small government, small government, small government, vote for me. I don't want the government involved in anything unless you have a uterus. If you have a uterus, Ronnie, we are, look, now you tell me. That does not seem to be in the favor of the American worker. We have seen the aggressive assault and attack on labor in this country. Clearly, there is a degradation of uh, the standard of living in this country. I I think it is just flat out uh, undeniable. People are uh, learning to live with less, uh, on less, and, uh, uh, and it's tragic. The poverty numbers are uh, through the roof. Come join Kenya DeClick, bringing it real raw and right now. India Declare, real, raw, and right now. And for those of us who believe in liberty and justice and a vote for all, we should stand up and speak out against this. You know, Dr. King said it so clearly. He said, what affects one directly affects us all indirectly. And so we all should care about this, and especially, especially when we see ourselves as a nation going back to an ugly time in our history. You know, African Americans had to dodge barking and biting dogs. They had to jump over poll taxes, try to surmount grandfather clauses and literacy tests. And voter suppression, by any other name, is still voter suppression. This is the 21st century version. It might not be cloaked exactly the same, but it is no different than what folks did in this country uh, 50 Uh, to 100 years ago when it came to trying to stop African Americans and other folks from being treated like equals in this country, and it is not right. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you have to leave us soon, but, um, you know, often all of us are, are quick to say to elected officials what we want, what we expect from them. But it is very unusual for an elected official to give us a prescription of what you need from us. What do you need from your constituency? Well, Sister Graham, for them to stand strong, for them to, in light of uh, Citizens United, where corporations are now people and where you have uh, a few very, very, very wealthy people who could just flat out buy elections, and so it makes it even that much more important that we vote. So in Ohio, uh, you may recall, we had an absolute mess in 2004. It was a debacle. You had stories of people standing in long lines for hours. uh, uh, Thousands of people left. They didn't even vote in 2004. And Ohio fixed that. They fixed it, and i got to give it to them. I mean, I wasn't in general assembly at the time, but the state did institute a number of measures to make it easier for folks to vote in Ohio, and that includes... Uh, uh, including the three days of early voting uh, before uh, Election Day and no-fault absentee voting, 35 days of it. So in 2008, almost 100,000 Ohioans took advantage of the last three days of early voting, and Ohio went from being one of the worst examples to one of the best. And so here we are. We find ourselves in 2012 with Republicans through the legislature and now through the Secretary of State trying to turn back the hands of, of time when it comes to 
access to the vote. And we numerically, empirically can prove that African Americans overwhelmingly utilize early in-person voting. In my county, which is Cuyahoga, in 2008, 56% of African Americans voted early in-person, although we only make up 26% of the voters in the state of Cuyahoga, in the, in the county of Cuyahoga. And you can multiply that uh, through the other large urban counties and see that that is true. So I can't understand for the life of me, Sister Grant, why somebody, especially the chief elections officer, would want to make it harder for people to vote in 2012 and not easier. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. There was nothing wrong with the way we vote in Ohio. It worked in 2008. It worked in 2010. It has worked ever since 2004. And why we want to go backwards, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's a lot of voter confusion. Confusion, as I'm sure that you can understand, because voters don't know what's going on. That is going to have an impact as well. And that's intentional. Oh, yeah. That's most, very most intentional. Mostly. It is intentional. I don't, I don't think for a minute that they thought that they were going to be successful through the courts yes. on these legislative initiatives, but they knew that they would create the kind of uh, chaos that's it. that we that's have it. going on. Yes, ma'am, it is chaos. And resistors of injustice in this country. So I am wonderful. And to have your voice on radio is such a blessing. You are a powerful and gifted woman, Sister Graham. Thank you. And I am just... Senator Nina Turner on Our Common Ground. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves, raising the black voice of resistance for more than 25 years. Each Saturday, 10 p.m., I'm Janice Grant, and I'll be listening for you. And we thank you for being with us here on Our Common Ground. This is the Black Sanctuary, where we bring the best ideas, notions, concepts, and commitment to this country. I wanted to uh, remind all of you what is at stake on Tuesday and hope that you go out and establish the franchise for which so many struggled in this country for you to have. Thank you to all of our guests who are with us. Our number is 347-838-9852. And thanks to our special guests, Professor Hunter Adams, and Dr. Richard King here to discuss with us the whole notion and the powerfulness of the capacity for us to develop our consciousness and the two-day event sponsored by the Royal Circle Foundation on November 30th and December 1st in Baltimore at the Holiday Inn Inner Circle, Seeking the Secrets of Consciousness Conference. Gentlemen, thank you so very much, and I am just so honored uh, to have you with us. I do see you as pioneers, people who opened a portal for our intelligence about self-discovery and the power that it has, and thank you so very much. We're going to go to our phones. 404 has been waiting. 404, you're on the air. I respect you with Professor Hunter Adams and Dr. Richard King. Yeah, hi. How's everybody doing? Good. Great. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm an electrician. I just want to know if uh, any of the professors might know of uh, 
a device that they're using now. All the uh, electric companies putting on people a uh, house called a smart meter. I am familiar with that. Because uh, uh, well, I, well, like I say, I'm an electrician, and I had one on my house, and I was feeling sick, and the doctors couldn't find nothing wrong with me. So I investigated that smart meter. I took that smart meter off my house, and now I'm feeling like 100% better like I used to feel. And it's affecting the brain waves of people because I don't know if y'all know it. It's, uh, well, I'll let y'all explain it. Y'all could probably elaborate a lot more than I can on it. Well, Big West, that's an interesting concept uh, about the environmental um, impact of the things that we have to, to live with. It's very interesting. It's putting out too much extra microwaves because our brain operates off of six hertz. It's riding on putting in too much microwaves in people's residence, and whatever ailments you got, it affects your brain waves. Because it's putting, it, 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 y'all can look it up. It's called smart meter, dirty electricity. And just look, if you're feeling sick, and if you got one in your house, get it off your house immediately. So I like to have the doctors elaborate on that because they they smarter than me. Well, so we only have a, a few minutes, and I'll see if I can't get Dr. Uh, Professor uh, Hunter Adams is the neuroscientist here. And are you talking about the device that they use to be able to read meters yes, from their ma'am. vehicles? Yes. Yes, right. Yes, okay. Go ahead, Doc. Yes. Uh, well, brother, you, you raise up a very good question, and thank you for for asking that. That that we live in a profoundly electromagnetic environment. There are so many things that we are being exposed to as people today that our ancestors were not exposed to a hundred years ago, and so all these things are altering our biology, altering how our nerves um, uh, connect and and respond to information, altering rhythms of our heart, altering our immune systems. And so you really hit on something really crucial. We will, you know, have some discussion on that. You know, another thing is, you know, we have the artificial electromagnetic environment of microwave cell towers and high-tension wires and things like that, but there's also the natural environment that there are some regions of the country that are more magnetically active or magnetic anomalies, and so people who live in those regions, they may may be more sensitive to that energy, and that's reflected in their behaviors because some people can be electrosensitive highly electrosensitive, so you bring up um, a very good question, and uh, sorry we don't have a lot of time to go in more depth about it, but, you know, one thing we have to be aware of, and Janice, you talked about healing, how can we heal ourselves, and so we have to be aware of all the things that we are exposed to, whether it's bad food, uh, whether it's the air that we breathe, the, the water that's you know, maybe partially contaminated, and people in New York, they shouldn't be drinking, um, you know, public water, you know, until the water filtration systems have been decontaminated, because many of them are with the mixture of sewage water. You know, there's just so much that we have to be aware of that uh, is doing harm to us. 
genetically modified organisms in our food. You know, they're turning us into genetically modified people. Before we know, we won't know who's real and who's not real. You know, they may look real, but, but you know, they are really something else. And so we have to really be conscious, and I appreciate you for doing that. You know, I'm a wary of smart meters, smart TVs, you know, TVs that stay on 24-7 and record what you're watching so they can program themselves, you know, to to have you more have more programs like the favorite ones. I, I'd rather not have that. I'd rather not have cell phones that have uh, the tracking devices on it, you know. So I would say turn off the tracking device. Don't give children cell phones. You know, if they're five, six years old, please do not give them a cell phone to use or to play with because the microwaves are being beamed directly into their developing brains. That's dangerous. You know, even though the cell phone industry are not going to talk about uh, the radiation levels that their phones emit, you have to really track that down. That's hard to do. But, you know, that that electromagnetic waves do affect our brains, period, right. full stop. Yeah, that is true. So I'll just leave it as like that. I would also, on that question, I'll also share a parallel view, but a little bit different twist, and that is in respecting how eternal we are to respecting the vast antiquity that makes up our living system, knowing that the DNA has, as Hunter's pointed out, Professor Hunter pointed out before, Hunter Adams, much of it is uncoded, meaning that it's beyond the comprehension of today's white consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the point that has to be contained. But I will also share with you this notion of the value of doing the right thing and treating others with virtuous living. It's talked about the Ten Virtues, Chapter 3, in the book Stolen Legacy by George James, that for us to tap this vast cosmic mind, hear that, vast cosmic mind. Mind, yeah. Something well, above it here. It certainly points out that you two gentlemen have to come back to our common ground because we're flat out of time. Sure, um, and, and it's important for us to look at every dimension of what impacts uh, our ability to be greater and richer people. Yes. Dr. Richard King, Professor Hunter Adams, thank you so much, and I hope that I will see you at the Royal Circle Foundation Conference Seeking Secrets of Consciousness on November 30th. Thank you so very much. I am very honored to have had your wisdom and your experience and your brilliance. Thank you you for being with us on Our Common Ground tonight. Don't forget to join us on Monday night at TruthWorks, talking about voter suppression and black women at Women, Black Women in the Prism at 8 p.m. At 10 p.m. on Monday, election special at Our Common Ground, and on Tuesday at 11 p.m. 
I'm Janice Graham, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Have a great weekend. Don't forget to vote. You've been tuned to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. And don't forget, here, Our Common Ground, each Saturday, 10 p.m., speaking truth to power and ourselves, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Have a great weekend.